Hello, my name is Emily Jansen, and this is the Leadership is Female podcast. I'm a female leader in sports. I'm the general manager of a AAA baseball team in minor league baseball, and I'm the first woman to hold this title in nearly 20 years. And I'm here with the Leadership is Female podcast to make sure that this amount of time never goes by again before another woman leads. Marion Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. So I am here to interview successful women in sport to uncover opportunity, learn the tips, learn from our mistakes, learn from our successes to get you to the top faster. Join me and my guests week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. I will lead her forward because leadership is female. On today's episode of Leadership is Female, number 20, can you believe it? I'm so pleased to bring you Lisa Motley, a veteran casino, hotel, sports, and special events advertising and marketing professional who currently holds the position of Director of Sports Marketing and Special Events for the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority. Before transitioning to LVCVA, Motley served as the Director of Marketing for Las Vegas Motor Speedway, where she developed the marketing and digital strategies for the property's 10 tracks and 1,400 event days, including NASCAR weekend and two NHRA national events. She also oversaw the B2B initiative and the CRM platform. Prior to LVCVA and LVMS, Lisa held the role of marketing and digital media specialist for Las Vegas Events, the exclusive special events agency for the city of Las Vegas. Lisa assisted in marketing efforts for such notable events as the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo, USA Basketball, Pac-12, and Mountain West College Basketball Tournaments, and the New Year's Eve Fireworks Spectacular. Before transitioning to the LVE, Lisa enjoyed a six-year tenure with the Golden Nugget, where she was the advertising manager. Prior to this, Lisa honed her experience at the Lund and Manassee Advertising Agency as an account executive, New York, New York Hotel and Casino as an advertising manager, and the Aladdin Resort and Casino, now Planet Hollywood, as an advertising coordinator. Lisa Motley has been involved as a mentor, coach, and game operations team member for the Special Olympics of Southern Nevada for 10 plus years. In that time, Lisa has devoted her time and effort into helping many athletes with special needs achieve success in the field of athletics and in life. Motley is also the vice president for the Las Vegas chapter of WISE, Women in Sports and Events. WISE is the leading voice and resource for women in the business of sports. She is a 2019 Leadership Las Vegas graduate and a 2018 40 Under 40 and Women of Intrigue Awards winner. Born in St. Paul, Minnesota, the graduate of the University of Minnesota, Lisa has been a Las Vegas resident for 20 years. Lisa's bringing the story of her career along with many gems of advice to us today. I have to drop her favorite quote in the beginning because it just spoke to my heart so much. Lisa said her favorite quote is, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Her positivity will energize and inspire you. I encourage you to take a brief moment right now, look up and think to yourself, what a wonderful world. With that and all the great feelings in the world, here's episode 20 of the Leadership is Female podcast. Welcome to the Leadership is Female podcast. Lisa Motley, a veteran of casino, hotel, sports, and special events advertising and marketing, 
who currently holds the position of Director of Sports Marketing and Special Events for the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority. Welcome to the podcast, Lisa. Thank you, Emily, and great to be here with Leadership is Female. I'm super excited about this morning's chat. Yeah, we are so happy to have you. And so I want to start out with who you are, what you do, and how you got there. Um, So my name is Lisa Motley. I am the Director of Sports Marketing and Special Events for the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority, kind of a a big uh, tongue twister, if you will. So we know it better as the LVCBA. Um, For those of you who are out there in the land and know what a CVB is, a Convention Visitors Bureau, we are a CBA. Um, Just some fun facts for you. The reason we're an authority versus a bureau is that we own and operate our convention center, as well as being the destination marketing organization. So that's the difference between a bureau and the authority is. So that is my current position. That is great. And so how did you get there? You were born in Minnesota and you now you've been in Las Vegas for 20 years. You've held a myriad of different events or different positions in sports. Uh, tell us about your path. So yes, um, I've been in Las Vegas for 20 years. I am born and raised in Minnesota, proud Gopher alum of the University of Minnesota, a graduate from Carlson School of Management. Originally actually went to school for accounting. Um, my professor said I talk too much and I probably shouldn't be sitting in a cubicle and I was ready in the business college. So I shifted gears and, and went with a sales advertising and marketing degree. Uh, I was out in Vegas for my 21st birthday. My parents used to come out here quite a bit as I was growing up. and. I think I had been here 10 times before my 21st birthday. I had no fake ID, that wasn't my world. I just felt when the plane landed in Las Vegas, the bubble lifted in my world. Um, and I love, I absolutely love Minnesota. Um, I, it will always be my heart and soul, but uh, I belong to Las Vegas. That's, this, is, this, is my, this is my home. Um, so when I was out here for my 21st birthday, my father said to me, you know, Lise, if you can market Las Vegas, you can market anywhere. So I didn't, I didn't actually go to school for sports marketing. Um, I kind of tripped and fell which we'll, into that, which we'll get to. Um, so we're out here and I was like, yes. And let's, let's bear in mind, I went to private Catholic school my whole life. And then the University of Minnesota was the biggest place I'd ever been. Um, so I was a very sheltered individual. Uh, so when my father suggested I move to Las Vegas, um, my parents are still married happily 50 years. I think they had a rough year there when I was deciding to move to Vegas. I think my mother thought her baby was was leaving her. Um, so I decided I'm going to try Las Vegas, come here for what, a year, have some really cool stories, and then go back home um, to Minnesota and, and do my career. So I was very fortunate that in college, we started out on quarters. And by my senior year, we moved to semesters. And UNLV was actually graduating a month after I graduated. So by the time I hit looking at jobs for Las Vegas, I was going to graduate before the UNLV students, which put me at kind of an advantage. And I had a friend out here who would look at the Sunday paper and call me, and this was back in the paper, this was 1999, Um, Al Gore hadn't invented the internet yet. So she would call me and she would tell me, hey, these jobs are available. And I would fax in a resume and apply. And I came out a week before I graduated college and I interviewed at New York, New York. Um, as the advertising coordinator, and then at uh, Planet Hollywood, which is now, it was the Aladdin, now Planet Hollywood, as their advertising coordinator. And lo and behold, that accounting background that I originally went to school for got me a leg up because I knew how to do Excel. So it came down to me and another student from uh, University of San Diego, and they called and they said, you know Excel, if you're willing to move here, 
we're willing to offer you the job. So my first job out of college was actually in a warehouse opening a brand new hotel and casino on the Las Vegas Strip. Um, so that's kind of, that was how I ended up here. And I know that we joked about it earlier. The interview question from our senior vice president was, why do you want to leave? Why do you want to move to Las Vegas? And my answer was, do you have any idea how cold it is in Minnesota? And he said, it's the most refreshing answer I've ever heard. So that's, I think it actually got me the job. <laughs> I love that. You can never beat honesty. I swear. I mean, at, at the end of the day, be yourself and be honest. And um, that, that could be the key. I think it's hilarious that only 20 years ago, we we're faxing resumes. I mean, <laughs> warp speed on, uh, on technology here. And I'm sure in your role today with, uh, with marketing, you are very integrated into digital technology in your job and, and what that means for your business. So that's just crazy to think you started out with a faxed resume. I still laugh when I see the fax number of my business card. I'm like, why do we have this on our business cards? But <laughs> I know I, one, it seems like it's just doctor's offices, but the fax <laughs> come into my office too. I, I hear you. I hear you. So I want to talk a little bit um, after you left New York, New York, you stopped at Las Vegas events, working on a myriad of major events, including the Wrangler finals rodeo, USA basketball, PAC 12 and Mountain West college basketball tournaments and the New Year's Eve fireworks spectacular. So all of those things happen in one calendar year. How do you manage the cadence of working on different marquee events at the same time and switching gears from, from one to the next? Yeah, and that's a great question. And I think um, just kind of set the stage. So Las Vegas events is the private arm of the LBCBA where I work now. So it, it'll all kind of come together, the, the path I end up taking and how that works. Um, the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo was the main focus of Las Vegas events because it was an event that we produced and operated. So we were responsible for marketing and finance and sponsorship and operations and ticketing. So everything that's involved, kind of like in, in minor league baseball too, everything you've got to do to put into a season, we basically had the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo season. And what the WNFR is, is the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association Super Bowl. So there's over 600 rodeos around the country each year that are qualifiers for the NFR here in Las Vegas. Um, it's the top 15 contestants, money earning contestants all year long in seven different categories. So just to kind of give some background, um, it is an event that absolutely transforms Las Vegas for these two slow weeks in December. The um, background history on the NFR was in 1983, it was in Oklahoma and the hotel casinos needed something here in Las Vegas because it was such a dead time for occupancy that they figured out this is a great event. We could move to Las Vegas. So they went after the event and brought it to Las Vegas, which is how Las Vegas events was formed was to, to put on the NFR. So that was really the main marquee event that we probably focused on every day at some point in time. But then to your point too, seasonality wise, you start the calendar year with New Year's Eve and that was more operational in nature. Um, and some marketing um, aspects to that as well as press conference and media. And then we would go kind of into March Madness. And so now you're looking at, we sponsor Mountain West, Pac-12, West Coast Conference and Western Athletic Con um, Conference. Those four tournaments were held here at the beginning of March. So March for Las Vegas is just absolutely incredible um, what we can get out of that. But those were more just kind of helping them promote their event, doing some media buys and um, some social media assets. Um, and then you kind of fast forward into the, the fall um, and there's other events like the NASCAR truck race, et cetera. But 
the real real focus was the NFR and, and you do have to balance out what you're doing because it's, it's kind of like we were an agency and the NBA Summer League would be our client. And you sit down with your client and you say, what do you need from us at Las Vegas events? And that might just be the media buy or we need some help with press. So um, it's, a, it's a balancing act for sure. It was nice. So it's kind of spread out a little bit over the years. Yeah. And so you were there for a number of years and then you switched gears and were the director of marketing for the Las Vegas Speedway. Talk to us about your experience in motorsports and then all the events that take place at that track. Sure. So pretty exciting. I should probably back up and tell you how I ended up at Las Vegas events and segue into this. So um, I worked in the casinos for 12 years, loved it. Um, absolutely enjoyed every minute of working in a casino. I, I recommend anybody who has that opportunity. It's just such a different marketing um, thing to learn. So I went to Las Vegas events because they said, you know, we're hiring a you. I had no desire to work in sports. I, I really tripped and literally fell into it. Um, and I took a shot on it. And my mentor was at the time, the senior vice president of sales and marketing at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. He is now currently the chief sales officer for all of Speedway Motorsports, which is um, eight tracks, um, including Charlotte Motor Speedway and Las Vegas Motor Speedway. So I was at Las Vegas events, loving my life. Um, I had left the casinos because LBE was affording me the opportunity, to your point about technology, to learn social media, something I, I knew was really on the forefront and I wanted to learn and, and hone my skill set. So Las Vegas Motor Speedway was hiring a director of marketing and my mentor called me and he said, I'd like you to come out and be my director of sports, mar or my director of marketing. And I said, are you offering me a job? And he said, no, I'm telling you because there are certain people in your life when they call you and they've made the decision for you, 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 you follow them. I'd follow that man um, through fire. Um, so he took a shot on me and I got to come to Las Vegas Motor Speedway, which was exciting because I got to work with NASCAR as well as NHRA, um, Lucas Oil Off-Road Racing. There are 10 tracks at our, our campus. Um, it is also home to the Electric Daisy Carnival. So I know you know well, transforming your current venue to a multi-purpose use. So yep. rather not just NASCAR um, cars on the track, we've got 150,000 people every night for a three night electronic music, music festival at the Speedway. So um, working in motorsports was, was great. So I went from Las Vegas events where you're more on the event side and now I'm working with sanctioning bodies like NASCAR and the National Hot Rod Association. Um, we also had a component, Speedway Children's Charities, and I'm a, I'm a very big component of charity, and we were able to put on a, a really cool car show where the winners of the cars would take a lap on the track, and it was money that was now reinvested back in our local community. So it was a little bit different from Las Vegas events where the focus is driving tourism, where Las Vegas Motor Speedway, there's some events drive tourism, and some is really for locals. So it, I learned, I learned a new skill set out there as well. And then again, honing that digital marketing um, and retargeting. That was now when retargeting started to be popular. So I, I learned the social media skills at Las Vegas events. And then at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, I was able to hone the skills of digital um, marketing. Yeah, I mean, what a journey. And what I hear you saying that I love is you didn't just get in your role and do the role. You're you're articulating to us how much you've grown and how much you've learned from one experience to the next, specifically in marketing, where it is required that you have an open mind and are up with the trends and constantly in, in investing your time in learning how to become a better marketer. Well, I think we've all heard to chase the skills, don't chase the money, the money will come. I'm still waiting for the money to come, but <laughs> at least I'm still you know, chasing those skills. 
Yes, that is a great, great point. Chase the skills, never stop learning. So after your time at the Las Vegas Speedway, you have landed a role as Director of Sports Marketing and Special Events for the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority. And that's how you and I are talking today is um, 2018, uh, the baseball winter meetings were held in Las Vegas. Um, that was really a highlight event in my career um, because that's when I got my first chance to speak to women in baseball and um, when I really got my feet underneath me and in my messaging and trying to help elevate women. And you helped put that whole event together and worked with um, some, some colleagues of mine and you know here we are today. So wanna hear a little bit more about, about your role and your responsibilities. And let's talk about the elephant in the room, the pandemic of, of 2020 and how that may have uh, made you pivot and what lessons you've learned. Sure. So um, I ended up at the LBCBA. Again, this is, it's a, it's a great story. So the position became available. I'm sitting out of my back patio in August and I get an, I literally get an email from LinkedIn. Um, so a lot of these positions, people think it's everybody, you know, sometimes it really is just good old, you get an email. And I looked at it and I said, boy, this is uh, my predecessor, Julian Duga's job. He had been there 28 years. Um, he had retired about six months earlier and the job became available. And I, I said, you know what? I, I, I turned to my husband at the time and I said, I, I think that I'm going to apply for it. And he said, you don't have a shot he, because I, I think everybody's, you know, I'm, I'm a woman. I wasn't greased in. Um, and I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to apply anyway. And I get offered a, an interview before the interview stuff closes. And my boss who's now retired as well at the time, he and I talked later on and I said, well, how come how come I got the interview before it closed? And he said, because we took one look at your resume and said, we got to bring her in. Because what I wasn't focused on, and I think we all too, hone in too much on, it's this skill set, it's this, you need these. As, as women, I think, of, what is the stat? If we see one thing on a, a job description, we won't even apply. Um, what I didn't take a step back was to look at, I had done casino advertising for 12 years. I had worked at Las Vegas events to put on events and sponsor them and they were the private arm of the LBCBA. Then I went to Las Vegas Motor Speedway and I'm working with sanctioning bodies. And now this position is really driving tourism to the hotel partners through events um, like Las Vegas Motor Speedway hosts or Las Vegas events hosts. So I had that well-rounded experience and I was just really kind of narrow focused. And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna roll the dice and I'm gonna go for it. Um, and I ended up getting the position. So kudos to Las Vegas, um, the LBCBA for putting a female in charge too. And, you know, and I know that's degrading to myself and I really need to get over that. And I think we all kind of have that attitude, but it was pretty groundbreaking at the time um, for Las Vegas, not for NHL or NFL. They were a little bit more forward thinking, but in Las Vegas, we didn't really have a lot of females at the helm of sports. So um, that's been great. So our role, uh, we are small, but mighty. There are two other people on my team one is currently furloughed. I did speak to her yesterday, though. She's beyond thrilled to be furloughed and, and still part of the game that she's going to be able to come back, and hopefully that's sooner than later. Um, so we do everything from working with the likes of the professional leagues from NHL and UFC um, and NASCAR, all the way down to youth and amateur, because youth and amateur is such a big multi-billion dollar industry. Um, and as much as weird as it seems, 
we're really in our infancy in Las Vegas as we're growing this, this to the sports and entertainment capital of the world. Um, so youth and amateur is your, a lot of your national governing bodies or your, your Olympic um, committee type events like a USA judo or a USA uh, figure skating or synchro swimming. And we're able to bring a lot of those events to Las Vegas now because we've kind of shifted our focus and we act as a smaller kind of sports commission where we'll hold their hand. I think people were a little nervous about doing business in Las Vegas because they think we're so big, but truth be told, 80% of our groups are 200 or less. So we're not gonna have a NASCAR every weekend. So we're responsible for um, driving tourism heads and beds through sports, whether it's participation or fan events like a NASCAR race. Um, Esports is also one of the verticals that we oversee. We look at the B2B component. How do we bring conferences like the baseball winter meetings or a sports business journals ticketing and symposium? Um, we, we've developed quite a few marketing components too. We, have, we wear a lot of hats. We do marketing, we do sales, and we do operations. So from that standpoint, it's, it's kind of a lot, um, but we also have learned to leverage our internal departments. We have 15 international offices. So how do we promote um, events internationally? We've got access to 30,000 plus travel agents. So how do we get them the message of sports? So that's kind of a little bit of our responsibility in light of COVID. Um, you know, and, and I'm very proud of this. It's actually been a pretty good experience for Jenny on my team and I, because while everybody else was shutting down, they were looking to sports to rebuild and to, to be the future. And my first two weeks of COVID lockdown, I think we all thought we were going back in a month, um, was to three weeks, save, tops. Three weeks right? <laughs> yeah. um, was to save the NFL draft that we were supposed to host in 2020. So my first three weeks were saving it, moving it to 2022. And then we were also in the middle of working on the Pro Bowl and securing that for 21, which we did. And we've now also shifted to 2022. But imagine me being able to call venues like the ballpark was involved and our hotel partners and go, hey, I've got business for you. Do you have availability? Do you have openings? And it was just a different, more positive commentary um, than I think everybody else was was facing. So we're, we were very fortunate in the sports world that yes, we shifted and yes, some people were furloughed or may have been layoff, but we're gonna, we're working so hard to get them all back to work. But so we shifted um, to a kind of a positive. It's that time of year, one of my favorite times of year, annual goal setting. We get to make the choice on what we want to pursue for the next 12 months. Do you need some help? Do you need a guide to take you through this annual practice? If so, head on over to my website, emilyjansen.com, and download your free guide to creating annual goals. One of the reasons I love this practice so much is it allows me to reflect on the current year and plan how I'll grow in the next. I've had this practice for several years, so it's fun to look back and see just how far I've come. Join me in being a goal getter and download my free guide at emilyjansen.com. Don't forget to share your goals with me and other Leadership is Female listeners by following me on Instagram at Emily Jansen and hashtag Leadership is Female. With that, let's get back to this incredible interview. And knowing that there's other women who might be going through similar things, you're the vice president for the Las Vegas chapter of WISE, which is Women in Sports and Events. WISE is an incredible national organization with local chapters and the biggest cities around the country. Um, yeah, that's awesome to hear. Well, first of all, congratulations on landing this groundbreaking role. And it sounds like you've just 
you know, had your foot on the gas the whole time and the pandemic hasn't stopped you. It's, it's the roll forward. How do we secure these things for the future and welcome these events and these people to, to Las Vegas. And I want to ask you, you had so much success in your career. Do you set annual goals and what do those look like personal and professionally? Um, how do you formulate those goals? And that's a, that's a great question. So obviously annual goals sometimes are dictated by your employer. So we do have annual goals at the LBCBA. Um, I did mention that we wear a lot of hats from sales, operations, and marketing. So we do have some metrics and some goals that we're required to bring X amount of room nights to destination through our sales plan. But we also get to do fun and exciting stuff and um, involve our community partners. So those kind of goals are more what we're looking for for the organization. Uh, for me professionally is really about how do I better myself from the year prior? So for example, this year was the year of reading. I used to read so much. And then to your point, foot down, pedal to the metal. Sports is an 80, an hour, 80 um, hours a week job. But this time with COVID and this year, I was like, you know, I'm going to read 52 books. And I can tell you that last week I finished my 52nd book. Um, so it's more of a, and, and, and some of them are fiction, some are professional development. Um, it's just, I want to take a look back every December and say, okay, what could I work on next year that I'll keep furthering it? I also think sitting on boards um, is important and community and, and not just sitting on boards, but being an active board member. And then a, I do a lot of volunteer work because I just like getting out in the community. Um, so for me, it's more of a, I think your professional life really is intertwined with your personal life. And if you continuously learning and, and reading, and if you're out there meeting new people and networking um, for this year, I just joined the Rotary. Um, and a friend of mine said, aren't they old men? I, and yes, I might be one of the youngest people there, but I think we've all spoken at the Rotary and educate them on what you do. And, and you know, they're the, they're kind of, they have the funding and they know everybody in the town. It's been the greatest experience because today I have a Rotary luncheon and I, I go, and we have a guest speaker and I meet new people and we do charitable stuff. So I think it's just looking around and figuring out what professional organizations can I, can I join that I want to make a difference. I don't want to just keep joining things to, to not make a difference. So I think personally, it's just how do I continuously educate myself and learn and grow and better myself and then better those around me. Yeah, well, congrats on the 52 books. That is first an ambitious goal, but second that you've reached it. Um, huge kudos to you. Thank and you. With all these organizations that you've listed, plus a busy job, how do you decide which, which ones to join? I think they present themselves to you and you look at them and there are, I'll turn things down that I don't think make the right fit. Cause sometimes they might come to you and it's a, it's a pay to sit on the board and you're required to fundraise all, all this. And, you know, I have to be very careful because I have a government job. So I can't be out there leveraging my position to raise funds for a charity. That's not probably in the best interest or probably ethical um, on our behalf. So it's more any board I can sit on that I can donate of my time or my expertise or make connections for people. Um, that's, those are the boards that I choose to sit on. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a salesperson per se. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure I'd be any good at fundraising. So I think there's better people who will be suited for those boards. And I take a look at them and figure out, is, does it match with my values? Is, is this what I'm looking to do? Or is it just another board to put it on your resume? I, would, I don't recommend sitting on boards to put it on your resume because if you're not upholding your end of the bargain, that's your reputation. And these people are going to see that. So I would go after things that you're passionate about 
and that you think you can make a difference. Yeah, I love what you said there. First, that you choose. So you've gotten offers and you've had the courage to say no, which is sometimes hard because you want to give so much of yourself to your community. Um, but to set those parameters around not being able to fundraise and being really clear with, with what you can do and how you can help the organization, I think is number one. And the second piece, matching with your values and being passionate about what you're doing is super important. Because if you're trying to just create a resume builder and you happen to not really do much for that organization, yet you list it, you never know who's connected to who. It's a smaller world than we can even ever imagine. And um, you wanna make sure that you're represented in the best light. So you gotta be an active board member. I, I really am happy you made that point. Thank you. So successful career. We've talked about this, this like elevation for you climbing, climbing these mountains, but there's had to be a hurdle or two along the way. Can you identify one of those hurdles and a lesson that you've learned? Sure. And, you know, it was pretty early on in my career um, when I worked at New York, New York, and I ended up leaving um, it, it, it just because there were some mergers going on and it just, it, my boss wasn't the right fit for me anymore. And, and that, that happened in your career. And I had been there four and a half years and, you know, that's a sad reality, but it just, there was um, changes in management and you get shuffled around and, and this person, it just wasn't working out for me. Um, and I remember being pretty vocal about it, but I was 24 years old. Um, and at that point in time, you don't realize that what you say could haunt you. And I remember running into a former vice president, maybe about six months later. And he said, boy, you really burned that bridge because it did cost me another position that I had applied for because the person just, again, knows somebody, everybody talks. Um, and I'm so young and naive and I think I can get away with saying whatever I want. Um, so that was a learning point for me kind of to watch it moving forward. But I got to tell you, I'd burn that bridge again, because that's why I ended up where I was. So sometimes it's okay to, to go out there, but just be mindful of the fact that stuff, stuff could haunt you. And it did cost me a position and maybe cost me a different path. But I, I, I know I'm on the path I'm supposed to be. So I think that was a situation was pretty tough. I don't want to give names because um, they might be listening. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it was I, I got burned. Um, it just wasn't the right fit for me. And um, so, yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't want to get into the name game or anything, but you said something that I want to dig into a little bit more because it's come up several times on the podcast with really successful women. You said my boss wasn't the right fit for me. And this hurdle has been uh, shared by several um, that they have identified being unhappy, um, not being able to excel. And it was because of the people around them. And so that's when, you know, these women decided it's, it's time to look elsewhere. And I want to dig into that a little bit more and finding the courage to move forward, finding the courage to stand up for yourself. Can you talk about that? Yeah, and I absolutely love that word courage. Um, I have a photo album on my phone entitled Courage. And anytime I take pictures of friends or certain moments, I put them in there and, you know, I kind of look at it from, from time to time. So it's not easy to step out there, especially at 24 and you've got a mortgage and you've got a college loan to, to pay, um, but you got to believe in yourself and you got to, you got to have the courage and, and trust yourself. Only, you know, what's right for you, but get yourself out of a situation that's not, not right. And I mean, listen, this is probably a bad thing to say. I'm not a fan of going to HR and reporting things. I, 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 that's not me. 
Um, but if you have somebody trusted that you can find on an executive level um, or somebody outside the organization who can help you kind of navigate it until you can get out. I'm not telling you quit your job tomorrow because it's not the right boss. Um, but just be mindful and, and, and know that they have to prove their worth to you too. Like the organization needs to want to have you and not just the other way around. Um, I think it's more successful for both parties if I want to be there and they want me there. So just, yeah, keep that uh, close, close to the best that it's okay to trust your instinct and to value your opinions. And you're not alone in this world. You're not the only one. You never know. You probably might, might not be the only one who the boss is the right fit. Um, unfortunately, sometimes you get the boss, you get it's inherited. And sometimes you just have to hang on and just know that everything's going to be all right. Yeah. And, and speaking of having a, a tribe around you, can you tell us being a leader in this group, what's the main challenge you see women facing in their sports careers and collectively, how are you all working through that together? So we've done a few panels on this and I don't know if, if I've just surrounded myself by strong women and strong men, men are some of my biggest champions. And sometimes I, I think women in general, um, the challenge I've seen, we don't always support women. Sometimes we're our own worst critics. Um, and I don't know how to overcome that. And I think with our chapter, that's really one of the values. We do support each other and we do champion each other. And we do have those difficult conversations that, hey, you know, this person isn't really value me and it might be a female or it might be a, a man. Um, so from our chapter, we've got all ages. I think there's 165 members. Keep in mind, we're pretty new to this professional leagues out here. We've always been home to championships, um, NASCAR championships, the um, NHL championships. Um, but now we've got an NHL team. We've got an NFL team. So it's brought more women to Las Vegas from other markets as well as promoted women from within. Um, so I think that's kind of our goal at, at WISE is really just to provide opportunities um, for each other to network, to empower each other, like-minded people. Um, so yeah, so WISE has been a great asset to Las Vegas. Yeah, network, empower each other, and practice supporting women. It's crazy how often I hear that women don't always support each other, but that's that's one of the founding principles of this podcast is like, we are just clawing our way to the top to get that one seat at the table. But I think we're not looking around to realize like there's enough room for all of us. And imagine if you were helping the woman next to you or, or the woman behind you, what a difference we could make if we were all elevating each other together. And so I, I love what WISE is doing because it's creating normalcy, it's creating visibility um, around women who are working in these jobs and allowing us to practice getting together, allowing us to practice supporting each other, which sounds so crazy, but when you're working in an industry that's mainly the boys, um, you, you have to make your group for, for the women to, to convene and understand what it's like to empower each other to get to the next level. Absolutely. And so to piggyback on that, the best piece of advice that you can give to women today so that they can level up tomorrow. So it's, it's a piece of advice that I got in 2002. Um, and it's a piece of advice that Jenny on my team. So shout out to Jenny Bunchu, who's our sports marketing and special events manager. Um, really couldn't do it without her. Thank goodness that we hired her. Um, 
we just did her evaluation. I hope she doesn't get mad I'm sharing this story, but it was a piece of advice I gave her too, that make a decision. Don't make a million dollar decision, but make a decision. And if you can explain why you made the decision, even if it was wrong, I'll back that. My boss will back that. So I was 23 years old. I worked at New York, New York. I went to my boss um, and I worked in advertising and I showed her an ad and it was just a resize of an ad she's approved 16 times. And she turned to me and she said, make a decision. And I said, I, 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 well, that's, I, don't, I don't know how to do that. Like, I need you to approve it. And she said, Lisa, make a decision. She said, don't make a million dollar decision. But if your decision's wrong and you can tell me why you made that decision, I'll back you. She's like, just don't cost us a bunch of money. So I think it's make a decision, trust your professional instincts. You have all the tools to do it, but make a decision. Yeah, that's so key. And it's a lost, sometimes it's a lost skill. We we're trying to manage up and, and do our job as employees to manage up to our boss. But you also have to understand like you earn that role. You're a part of that organization. There's a certain set of decisions that you have the bandwidth to make within your department or within your role and 100% make the decision and, and practice making decisions. It's really, it's a skill to be able to make a choice. And I think, you know, I, I have a small team, but everybody who's been on my team, because um, we've had some promotions within, I always tell them to make the decision. I think people need permission to do that. They, they don't realize that that's in their bandwidth, that they, they're allowed to make a, a decision. So again, yeah. Yeah, great, great advice. And it's the next step in becoming a bigger leader. When you're a leader, you have to make decisions every day, big ones, small ones, costly ones. And uh, it's, it's up to you. So if you can start getting those decision-making reps at a younger age, you're more prepared for the future. And you're going to make a wrong decision. We all do, uh-huh. but, you learn, but you learn from it. Um, and it's better to make a decision or they'll replace you with somebody who will. So yeah, make that decision. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So wrapping up, got to ask you, what is your favorite quote? So I'm a big, big fan of music. Um, and I have a quote in my office that someday I hope we get to go back to. We've been working from home since March. Um, you know that you all do those painting things, the painting parties. So my quote is, um, I think to myself, what a wonderful world. So it's, you know, you're walking out of your office. It's all my Facebook posts is my quote as well. It just, it brings a smile to my face all the time. There's, there's something good. There's something wonderful about every, every day in this world. So just kind of reminding yourself that it's a wonderful world. Wow. I love that. You gave me goosebumps sitting in my office today, watching the snow falling outside. That is phenomenal. And, um, and something we should all consider as we're wrapping up a year that was filled with one disappointment after the other, but there were still so many wonderful things to reflect on and enjoy and celebrate that came this year for all of us. And even today, even if it's just a celebration of the sun shining and the beautiful blue sky that we get to see in Nevada all the time, right? Yeah, you just gave me goosebumps and a little teary-eyed too, um, even just reflecting on the quote. It's, it's something to remind ourselves of every day. There's, yeah. there's, good, there's good in everything. Lisa, where can we get more of you? Can we connect with you on LinkedIn? Are you on social media? I am. On, I'm on all of it. LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, um, and Facebook. Uh, Lisa Motley. I'm happy to give you my email address too. 
uh, L Motley, like the crew, M-O-T-L-E-Y, at lvcva.com. Um, reach out with any questions. Happy to connect. Um, have virtual coffee with any of your listeners. How generous. Thank you so much. And I'll link it all up in the show notes too, so we can get more of the fabulous Lisa Motley. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, Emily, it was my pleasure and leadership in female is female listeners. Keep on grinding. Lisa, 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 thank you. Thank you. Thank you for such an incredible interview. With that, let's get into the top four takeaways. Number one, chase the skills required to grow, not the money. The money will come when you add the skills. Lisa's career started out with a faxed resume, and now she is leading marketing for the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority for sports and special events, one of the top tourist destinations on the planet. Lisa's marketing knowledge had to grow tremendously over the years to take on big roles like this one. So in Lisa's words, chase those skills. Number two, to build courage, consider creating a photo album on your phone titled Courage and fill it with all your favorite photos that bring you joy. A night out with your friends, a great vacation, photos of your family or your dog, you name it. Anytime you start to feel weak, open that photo album up and reflect on the beautiful life you have created and let those happy memories fill you with the courage needed to get the job done. Number three, on goal setting. Choose goals that align with your values and that you are passionate about achieving. Setting a goal in an area where you have disinterest is not going to take you anywhere. Get excited about what you can achieve and make a plan on how to get there. Shout out to Lisa who met her goal reading 52 books in 2020. Wow, I am really impressed. And number four, Lisa's best advice for women, make a decision. Don't make a million dollar decision, but make a decision and be able to explain why you made that decision. Start getting decision-making practice today to be the leader you want to be tomorrow. Hey you, did you join my email list? I want to stay in touch with you so that you'll have the heads up on new podcast episodes and get the tips you are looking for to empower you to level up. It's easy to sign up. Head on over to emilyjansen.com. I'm so excited you are here and I can't wait to help lead you forward in the career of your dreams. Again, that's emilyjanson.com. Thank you for listening to the Leadership is Female podcast. It means the world to me that you chose to spend your time with this podcast today. If you like this episode, subscribe, share, and review. What can you do today to lead her forward? We will do our part to lead her forward because leadership is female. Thank you for joining us. This podcast was recorded and edited by Emily Jansen, public relations by Paige Hegedus, and distributed by Anchor FM.